Hello there, everyone. You're welcome to another interesting edition of your number one African podcast show, Sports Africana, where we talk about the various sporting stories, issues, developments that is making the rounds in the world of sports, particularly from an African eye. My name is Oba Adiola Amukumo, and on Sports Africana, we like to tell our stories, we like to celebrate our successes and just say the way it is. You can listen to us on all the various porting platforms, all the podcast platforms such as Apple, Stitches, um, TuneIn, and all the many other um, podcast directories, directories available um, at your disposal. All you just need to do is type in Spot Africana, and it's going to bring up all the necessary details. And you can check us on our Facebook, on our Twitter, and Instagram pages. Just type in Sports Africana. Let us know your questions, and we're going to take them one at a time. Today promises to be exciting. I'm going to be talking about something that you know grew up in my heart um, in the course of the week. And I said to myself, Premier League is almost 20, 30 years old, 28 years to be precise, and one continent that has played some sort of impact in the growth and development of the league is the African continent. Africa has had a fair share of its supply in terms of players that have um, done the colors of the various Premier League clubs over the course of the 28 years. And with me to talk about this, um, I believe someone, someone I believe eminently qualifies to talk about it, particularly looking at his background. And he's not just a Premier League um, supporter or fan, but more of an English league fan. And it brings me great pleasure to introduce to you Tunde Makonjola, um, otherwise known as T-Mac. We call him T-Mac. T-Mac, how are you doing? Uh, good afternoon, Diola. You know, uh, pleasure to be here. Um, nice to see the wonderful work you've been doing on, you know, on the various platforms. You know, keep up the good work. It's so funny, you know, you'll be one of those people that um, I've known for two decades now and your love of sports has not diminished it, 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 it goes on and on so it's a pleasure to be here to be with did, you did you say two decades that's scary you know that's like two, it, well remember it is that long you're right you know it is, it is. <laughs> wow you know it, it's been it's been a long time that um but one thing i would say you know even from day one we we found each other yes true church but our, our love of sports was one thing that um you could always see us congregating and talking about yeah. you know football yeah. or one thing or the other but sports related yeah and funny thing is that you and arsenal support i'm a newcastle fan well i could say well you haven't won anything since 1969 but we will leave that um <laughs> <laughs> we will leave that we will leave that for you know for another day hopefully you get an owner or a decent owner um because mike ashley we, we all know his story and um what he's done with it and you know the funny thing in all honesty um jokes aside the jordi nation or you know the newcastle supporters are one of the most incredible fans you've probably um you've been i mean watched some arsenal games yeah. you've um experienced them. you know i've experienced them i've you know i've actually you know both home and away and that FA Cup final, um, I don't know if you remember that with yep. um, Shera, years, years, way That's back 98. ago. Uh, 98. 98. Um, 2-0, yeah. Um Just to, yeah. But you could see 52,000 week in, week out, you know, 
come rain come shine um your you know and not just 52000 turning up they turn up and make you know compared to the emirates where people call the library because it's so quiet yeah. you know we don't make but that's changed now. that's changed the library it's, we're changed. trying to the library is trying to lifen up um it's a difficult transition because um uh, emirates is what you have is like i always say uh, the so called traditional asno funds some have been priced out of getting you know um tickets because you have to be a member there's a huge waiting list and it, you know so you don't have the corporate or the people who get the tickets and sell it so the atmosphere doesn't really it, it, you know it's it's they're trying to bring it back up but the atmosphere is a bit Come say come sa, you know. Uh, except when it's playing, when you're playing, when you're playing Tottenham, the atmosphere is rocking from the from beginning to the end. Um, but it's not as you know whether it's the cop, you know, you know when Liverpool fans sing, you never walk alone, you know Newcastle, it, you know there's some, you know you go to some grounds and they can be very intimidating when you see when the crowd are at. And also, you have to remember that the crowd and there's a, there's a sort of relationship between the crowd and which are the crowd, the fans, and the the team. Um, remember, was it last season when uh, Shaka was booed off coming off, and that was one of the low moments of you know um, when I've been a low moment. You have a captain coming off and was being booed, and. It, it left a bad taste in the mouth, you know, mm. thinking, you know, he's one of our own. Yes, he had. He was going through a bad period. This whole team has been going through a bad period for the last, you know, Tottenham has finished above us for the last two, three seasons mm. when we used to celebrate St. Tottenham Day, which was the day that we knew that Tottenham could never finish above, above us. We had mm. that for like 20, 21 seasons. Mm. It, was, it was a given, you know, it was like, you know, one of those things in life, like, you know, birth, death taxes it was a given but you know but things are changing right now um mm. well we've got another cop the fa cop mm. again so mm. um hopefully with the ateta regime you know things are looking more promising than they have been in a yeah, long time so hopefully you know the good times are back at the emirates yeah um i we're talking about good times um you know um, i i i sincerely hope that you know arsenal will get back to that point where they used to be about four or five years ago, you know, but I think um, Asavenga has laid a very good foundation, um, and obviously the transition was Definitely. a little bit steep. But with Ateta, who um, obviously um, is a disciple of one of the disciples of Asavenga himself, so I mm-hmm. think things will begin to um, yeah. take a very good shape for the better. But we'll go into much more um, detail talking about the English Premier League from an African angle. And you um, are one of the few people that I feel that you followed English football before the Premiership era. In other words, you you saw yeah. it um, literally started you know, in 1992, and before then you had Prosco um, Bella, Zimbabwe. Yeah, you know so, Liverpool. Yeah. I was going to come I come at that, and before the uh, the Premier League era. We've always had um, British-born Africans, uh, the likes of mm-hmm. John Fashionu, 
Laurie Cunningham, Laurie Cunningham, young fashion you know, Emeka Wanjo B, um, Tunji Banjo. Um, yeah. But you hardly find proper, if I, if I may, if I may um, quote myself well, Africans who come in um, to come and play professional football. I, I, the only person I, I remember speaking uh-huh. to one of the Nigerian legends, um, Chief Shagonja Odegbami, and he said he was invited to for a, trial, for a one-week trial in Tottenham. Um, in the, in the at the peak of his career, but he said he came to London. He thought to himself, "I'm not struggling in Nigeria. I'm having a good time with my team. What's the point?" He said he just enjoyed himself for that one week. So you can tell that in the past, um, English football was not necessarily he, he wasn't... to Africans per se. Yeah, the same thing. I don't know if you remember Yisa Shofolue too came to do a trials. Um, this was probably around late 80s, late 89, 90. Yeah. Um, and the thing about it was, yes, a lot of Nigerian. Then, first of all, it wasn't as the English league wasn't as attractive and open, um, and open. Um, and the weather was it was a was a really determinant factor for a lot of Nigerian-based players who thought. Man, um, and it was it was it was it was a two two way thing because first of all, if you remember back in the days, um, the English press and the English football elite, as I want to say, they used to think, okay, you know, African players were just big, strong, physical, quick, but physical, but not much. I don't want to use the word less intelligent, but they had this some they had some stereotypes about African footballers, basically. And it was later on because when you look at it, um, African football coming back to the the English Premier League, it was around the the ninety four mark, the Ajax side that won the Champions League, that had who, Kano. And Finidi Judge. Finidi Judge. 95. 95. Yeah. So around that time, they started to see, hmm. and then the 94 World Cup, when Nigeria went as a new newbie and demolished Stoic Amokachi. Amokachi Demol- was the first Nigerian proper in the English Premier League. Yeah, yeah to Everton. Yeah, and we, we remember his his uh, two goals in the FA Cup semi final against Tottenham. Yeah. Um, before they, you know, taking them to the final. Um, even though there's a funny story in in, in that game where his manager wasn't um, his manager said he wasn't ready to substitute. I think it was Paul Rideout, uh, who it was Paul Rideout and Duncan Ferguson who were the, the main strikers. So he wanted to make a substitution. He wasn't too sure. But um, Daniel Wakaji took the bull by the horn, his nickname. His nickname. Um, <laughs> and got himself ready. Yeah. Got himself ready and um, got onto the pitch. And the re- like I said, the rest is history. Scored two goals. They went to the FA Cup and, you know, final. They got through. Beat Man U 1 0. And um, that's the last trophy Everton have won since 95, I believe it that was. Yes. So, um, Things things started to change around that time, and um, like you said, um, the English, the Premier League started to see that. Gosh, there is a huge market um, in African players, you know, and that relationship has been two ways because 
uh, nowadays you see the Premiership trophy is taken to African nations with African players to, uh, to showcase it. You know, you go to event centers in Africa and uh, it's like they're packed. You go to places, you know, uh, I, I use Nigeria as an example. You could hardly go to any place in Nigeria and mention, you see people wearing English uh, Premier League jerseys, mm. um, supporting their favorite players. So it's been an interesting an interesting journey. journey from where it was when it started. Yeah, from when it started, you know, in 92 to what we have now and um, all of that has been you know uh, one 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 thing that um you know the little landmarks that have you know um remember tony yeboah yes. tony yeboah still remains the only player that got goal bbc goal of the season was it goal of the season he had one two three or uh, goal of the month and it was like you know um it was one against Liverpool that hit the under, you know, the crossbar, bounced back bounce and up. went by where, sorry, poor David James was in gold, or we call him Calamity James. <laughs> and, you know, at that time, how many African players would have gone to teams like Leeds? You know? Yeah. Talking about, before coming, before coming to um, that Leeds story, um, would you say that um, what added to the influence of Africa? Remember, at the turn of the 90, the 1990 World Cup to be precise, Cameroon played against England. And I think for the first, I, I've, I've listened to quite a number of um, interviews of some of the players that featured three, in that game. Three, two in extra time. Yeah, three, two in extra time. And I think it was um, Tony Dorigo I listened to once. And he said, when they were preparing for that game, they didn't. The scout didn't say anything. Said it didn't have any much anything much to say about the camera. They were. They thought it was going to be a walkover. Let me put it that way. They, they were. Ne- they said they were never ready. When Cameroon went to play that game against England, quarterfinals, and I think from that point on, that began to mold the perception of Africans. And like you rightly pointed out, 1994 was a landmark. Well, the Super Eagles, and it opens the eyes of um, most European countries to see that oh, Africans are playing intelligently, mixed with the aggression, physical skill, physicality. When when you watch, every time, sorry to cut in, every time I watch England, I'm sorry, uh, Nigeria, Spain, the team that had the likes of Hierro, Zubizarreta, and they were beaten fair and square. They were. And, the, you know, when you look at the Bulgarian side that had Horikyo Stoikov, who was at the peak of his career at that time, beaten easily by Nigeria. And they were thinking, so, yeah, they sat up and thought, okay, there seem to be some talent in this place. Mm. And the sooner we get our hands on this talent, the better for our league. And, you know, as it's been, you know, it started in a trickle and it's become the norm you know when you now see that you know when you watch um meetings and they you know sorry um uh, bbc or sky they're talking about the you know how they want to juggle the african nations cup because of the players who african players who are in the premiership because they don't want to and you see clubs um hiring private jets i think liverpool did that for mohammed salah, mohammed salah. ivory coast did it one yeah um, for the like for the Ivorian contingent um, Drogba 
like look we put a private jet on standby you know take you you know finish your game um and bring you back in now that was that's another factor that um at uh, you know at times the indiscipline of some players in the past hasn't been uh, has been to the detriment of the image of football where they go on a national um assignment back at home and before you know it the game finishes and then they go walk about mm. they can't say so it was that reliability thing but now it, you know people have become more professional and thinking you know what now nah, we have to do this and do it right so yeah. things are becoming you know much much better and then obviously the other thing that does help the african players apart from the walk up bit was the african success in the under age tournaments the under 17s and the under 21s um you know i remember remember the under 21 tournament where messi was the most valuable player that's um michael bicket that's 2005 um, under 20 five under 20 michael obi was came second came second and a nigerian yeah Tai-tai-o. and a nigerian player was got the good so a nigerian player got the golden boot so you could see that they you know the what stood up and thought you know there there is when i mean you know the world and even the english premiership stood up and thought yeah there are an abundance of talent in in this continent and the english premiership has been in the forefront of doing that and talking about um the bosman rule as well to contributed because um, the bosman rule came up in 1995 well, which yeah. means players could live freely so freely. that gave um that even opened up the market more to um the english league as in 1992 when the premier league started there were only two africans mm-hmm. bruce grobela liverpool who well by default let me put it out because he's been the liverpool he was he, let's just put it he's he's zimbabwean by birth he's so always I, been yeah you know, you know <laughs> most people most people wouldn't even realize that his Zimbabweanness never came up to four until the bong issue yeah. when that him job 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 fashion yeah. you know, that's when a lot of people thought he was just one of one of know, england and uh, because, another, he's, because, yeah. because he's white as well so white yeah well, yeah and um apart from himself um there was um peter and lovo i'm sure you remember him yeah coventry coventry player probably knows as ungo Und love. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I had a I had a go at uh, talk sports last week. It's funny about this issue about names, where they were calling Eze, easy, easy. You know, uh, and I was like, no, 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 no. Please stop doing that. His name is not easy. His name is Eze. Uh, and luckily, I was up. He, he's gone. He's corrected them. He's corrected himself. I was actually shocked. You know, um, you know, it is generally said that. Um, English and Nigerian parents or African parents tend not to bring up their kids up, you know, to have some sort of cultural understanding in terms of language. I was shocked. His very first interview with the Crystal Media, Crystal Palace uh, media Palace. team, he, he had to correct them. He said, my name is Eze. I, I was shocked. He actually pronounced it well with the proper Igbo accent. And, and, I, and I think that's something we're proud that- of. Yeah, for for that, I you know when I was listening to it in the car and you know and I heard it and that's why I said I got home I made sure I went on Twitter you know I I love my my tweets and everything and for that one he's got a fan in me because compared to one of the ones that really gets off my goat was um, Jordan Ibe Jordan Ibe Jordan Ibe 
it just annoys me. And I'm thinking, his name is not Hype. Could you just correct these people? And you know, if they could make, if they could say, Francesky. I mean, uh, you know, they just three, three, three letters, three syllables, and they, you know, and you sat where and let them call you whatever they want. So, but like I said, Eze, Eze did me proud when he said, no, my name is not Easy, my name is Eze. And um, I, I love that. I love that about him. So from from, from 1992, where we had two Africans, um, the last season, by the time when I was doing the research, there are 40 Africans registered in all the teams. And I think you agree with me, that's quite um, a huge and significant um Definitely. Obviously, most, most definitely. It, it could be better, but when we consider where we're coming from, I think that's not bad. Last season alone, we had 40 Africans registered in all the teams. Yeah, like I said, it, much more could be done, um, but that's a significant uh, improvement from where we were before. Like I said, we had two, and the two, one was more or less a home base here. And now you have 40, and you can see that. Look, with this 40, and the 40 are doing, you know, yes, you know, some are, are more successful than others. Look at the influence of um, somebody like Mohamed Salah on, on Liverpool and the resurgence of Liverpool, to, you know, from a Champions League. How many teams lose a Champions League final one year mm-hmm. and come back the next year and win it? Mm-hmm. Um, they've waited, you know, look at how many so called Liverpool legends. Played in the Premier League, but didn't win the champ, the, the, the Premiership. Um, and he's been in the forefront, you know. Um, here, Yaya Toure, you know, at when he when he was at Man City, um, Didier Drogba, Kanu, you know, you could see these guys have have elevated their clubs, you know, better to you know how they met it. So it's um, and you know, as we said, it could be better. The the issue. One of the issues is that when you look at it, you were mentioning, you know, the Bosman role. A lot of Nigerian or African players actually don't come directly from an African league. They come yeah. from Danian, Belgium, Holland, Belgium, um, second division in, in you know, you know, it, they take look at Osime's route all the way to Napoli as a current one. Now, um, Back in the days of the Amokachis, it was the, the they go to Beveren, Anderlecht, Belgium. Yeah, so it's you know it's if we had a a more better league, and I know that you are very passionate about if a league could be better, more structured, and everything, there will be a, a you know there will be more players in there because there are talents there. You know there what? Talent. We'll take a quick break and we'll be right back. Yeah.
Yeah, welcome back uh, to Sports Africana. Remember, um, we're talking about Africans and the impact um, of Africans in the English Premier League. Uh, Simon, it's quite um, ironic. Um, I, I did a bit of um, research and we've only had two goalkeepers in the English Premier League, two African goalkeepers. Bruce Grobella, of course, has been a Liverpool goalkeeper forever, but he was able to dovetail into the Premier League era. And the only other goalkeeper I could think of is um, Richard Kingston of Ghana. Obviously, Ghana. at the back of his performance with Ghana at the 2006 World Cup, even though he was a backup goalkeeper, but and he kept for three different clubs. That's Wigan, Birmingham and um, Blackpool. Um, that's not a too good ratio. Generally, we know that um, goalkeepers, are, they prefer goalkeepers within Europe. But when you consider, when you compare it with their South American counterparts, who have produced quite a number of goalkeepers in the English Premier League, the ratio seems a little bit, um, a little bit low for, for as far as I can see. What do you think could be responsible for that? Um, I think when you look at uh, African goalkeepers and African teams. Like you did, you, you, you gave a correlation with um, the South American counterparts. Now, remember the South Americans have the Copa Libertadores. Their leagues, yes, might be chaotic with their fans-wise, but they have strong um, football teams. Africa-wise, um, yes, uh, the North, North African teams used to be predominantly stronger, but when you look at the whole continent for a continent that size the leagues apart from the south african and the you North know african. i would say the egyptian tunisian or, the rest of the leagues are let's not so to get the right quality from them is going to be very difficult because like i said somebody like vincent hayama um vincent hayama you know when you look at some of his performances, it, it, you know, you could see that he's a very good goalkeeper. But it's because he had the exposure and he went to, you know, he had a long, a, a, the longevity of his career in, in League One and everything. But this, then the other bit is when you have international uh, competitions, maybe the Nations Cup, the World Cup, and then you see some bloopers by African goalkeepers, you tend to think oh. because those things are scouting scouting events for loads of teams. But when you now see a goalkeeper beating on his near post from 25 yards and not organizing his wall, you tend to think uh, because you know. Remember the great Thomas Nkono. Thomas Nkono was the beast of a goalkeeper, you know. But compared to his contemporary goalkeepers of his time. Did he get the, the same accolades? No, he didn't. But you know, he, he could you could say he was you know he was a par with a lot of those um, goalkeepers at that time. So I think that has a pro, you know until we re address the, the the league back in Africa having it up to a, a, a decent standard, then people you know teams will see okay we can get some crop of talents from here. Hmm, okay, I, I guess I, I guess you're very, you, you have a very strong point there. Um, what would be what would you say is your most memorable performance by an African player in the Premier League? Memorable. Oh, easy! I don't even have to blink twice. 
Uwako Kano's hat trick Stanford Bridge. No brainer. Absolutely not. The goals, especially the last, the last one from the corner, did Leso on a penny. And they had a goalkeeper, Ede Goy, Dutch guy, Dutch funny guy. Gave him the eye and top corner. Sorry. Um, that one is up there. The other ones that I would I would get that will have considerable mentions. Um, Michael Essien's pie driver against Arsenal last minute. Broke my heart, Champions League. Even though it was an a Chelsea Arsenal game. Um, Stamford Bridge. That that shot was yeah. Um you've got Drogba's um you know, where do you want to start? The Champions League final, even though it's an yeah. English for an English club, um, against Bayern Munich. You know, you know, he willed he willed that that game over the cup. To me, the rest of the his teammates were beating. He mm. but he refused it. It was just like, no, I'm not going to lose this game. Mm. Um, it's not in the league, but it's it's one of those ones. Um, those are the ones that I would say they stand out. I know people will say, oh, it's Chelsea, Arsenal, and but those are the ones. But like I said, the Canos hat trick is up there for me. And um, would, who among the Africans would you say um, quite disappointing in terms of um, that, that you can think of that you feel well? I expected more, but um, wasn't that going to sound? This is going to sound very controversial, very, very controversial. To me, the, the, the biggest disappointment that I, I would say for me as a, for, for somebody who had so much to give and everything would be JJ Okocha. Really? Yes. I will go back to, do you know that JJ Okocha was in a PSG team that had Ronaldo, the original Ronaldo, that had um, Ronaldinho, 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 sorry, Ronaldinho, yeah, Ronaldinho, um, and everything. And the guy was just, you know, quick thinking, makes passes. Now, when you look at the skills that he had, and then I know people say, yeah, not everything is about, you know, what you could show at the end of your career. Now, compare his career to Mikel Obi's career when you look at all the things Mikel Obi won I think I, 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 I tend to agree with you there um, his career well this might be another issue with the man-man team that I worked with in terms of getting moved from a club to the other personally at the time he moved from Frankfurt I felt it would have gotten a better club than moving to Fenerbahce you know, it was from when you moved to Benapache and went to PSG. Now, at PSG, at the time you moved to PSG, to be fair, PSG was on a decline somewhat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he, he joined England, he joined but, the Premier League. But although 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 they were at a decline, they had Rai. Remember Rai, the Brazilian? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know Rai. Rai played <laughs> Rai played from like the maybe like from ninety-three onwards. Onward. But you see, for you know, those people that he that were in the same team in the same PSG set up with him, you could think and I know people say, Yes, he's moved to Bolton later on. 
people will say yes he helped bring yeah, the likes of Yuri Dokev who was a World Cup winner went to Bolton he doing he deserved a better a better stage than Bolton I think I agree with you there obviously individually he, he, he might have contributed well to Bolton but in terms yeah. of I think you're right he, he, he could have easily moved to I think at the time it will be considered it at, the, at that point of time it was an Arsenal type player Yes, and he would have fitted easily into into. Like I said, he had enough. He he had the skill set to have fitted into any team in the Premiership of that day. Man mm. you, Liverpool, Chelsea, name it. He could stand shoulder to shoulder with any of those players. You know, remember he got a, a, um, he won BBC African Player of the Year. I think three times. Now, so and we all know the skills level that he has, you know, and everything. But he never had the platform. Like I said, look at somebody like um, Finidi Judge. Remember, Finidi Judge went to yes, Ipswich. at the tail end of his career, went to Ipswich. Ipswich. But but Finidi played in an Ajax side that had giants. Every single player of that team, from the goalkeeper to the likes of Jari Litmanen. They were all fantastic players. And you could see, you know, a lot of them moved and, you know, went to greater heights. And, you know, the African ones in them, you know, didn't really... And that's the thing about, uh, you know, like you, was, you made a mention of something. Having the right management um, makes a whole lot of a difference um, to players. You know, look. Remember what happened with um, Mikel Obi between Chelsea and Manu. Mm. Um, he was lucky that he didn't ruin his young career at that stage, because mm. he had to sit out for eighteen months before yeah. he could play. And now, you know, and those 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 agents um, or agencies up. Um, and at times, I don't. You know, it's there's a sense of naivety where, you know, they tell, they just weave. Oh, there's a club in England or in Europe come over from Norway or the second division in Portugal or Spain wherever and then just put it in front of them sign and they sign it mm. and before you know it um, you're just you know in the doldrums in, in some of that is not you know not going to do um, your career very good because like I said when somebody like um, JJ Okocha looks back in his career and says okay what have you won you know for somebody of that talent quality with, yeah, for that quality that talent and, and the time he played in, did he win a lot? Apart from individual honours, he didn't win a lot. Apart from maybe when and, he played in Turkey. Yeah, he didn't win a lot. And then you look at, you know, look at somebody like Sandy Olise. He could tell you, yes, when I played, this is what I won in, you know, I played in, um, entry, you know, in, in Germany. This is what I won. And that I always say it. I know people say, you know, do you put down people's individual honours as a friend or what they did as a club but you know you, I always say you know I was having this discussion on a football group recently look at somebody like Varane of France World Cup won Champions League multiple times La Liga done you know so you could look back in your career and say yeah when I was playing these are the honours and you know when we look at you know I know it's changing now when we look at the pundits that we used to watch on match of the day the likes of Alan Hansen, Mark Lawrence, they were only there because they played in a Liverpool side that was 
dominant. head of uh, dominant in the in in, in the, you know in the you know the championship before it became the premiership you know and then move forward onto the likes of you know um uh, uh, Gary, um, Gary Neville Phil Neville got his you know became an England manager because he played in Man U he wasn't the most spectacular player in the team but he you know he could tell you I won seven premier, you know premiership titles you know Ryan Giggs is now manager of Wales, Wales. you know so you look at it so you have to you know as a player you need you know you the individual, you know, the, the, what you want as a team, it makes a difference, you know, with, you know, see uh, the, the wrangling between uh, Barcelona and Messi that happened the last few weeks, and you see how um, the power that Messi wields mm. over a club, you know, people might say, oh, Barcelona won, Barcelona didn't win, Messi got his way. He t- I know that he doesn't want to be. Did- it's not that he really wanted to leave, but he wants to let you know. You guys, you can't be doing this. You know, the rot has been in for a few few seasons, yeah. but I-, I need to make a stand. And the guy can look back, and you know that's why people will say, "Oh yeah, some call him the gold," but they said, "Oh, he didn't win the World Cup. He hasn't done it internationally." But club-wise, in Barcelona's history, they've only won the Champions League five times. He's won it four times out of the five. Mm. Very true. So when you now go back to what we're saying about uh, to me yeah Okocha's case I, I feel um, he could have done much much more I I, I definitely agree with you though he he, he he showed the Premier League what he's got in terms of his uh, natural ability and talent yeah. and we all enjoyed it and if you look at his oh, time definitely. in Bolton there wasn't much longevity he was only there for four years from 2002 to 2006 and by 2008, his career was done, really. Uh, yeah. So I think, I personally, I agree with you that that move to Bolton does not befit his status or uh, his skill set. And playing like that under, with all respect, under an Allardyce, you know. <laughs> big Sam. <laughs> Pump it forward, knock it down to the big, 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 big number nine. <laughs> Oh, oh gosh! Yeah. yeah. So, who do you say? I mean, you. There's, who would you say is the most controversial African player? I'm thinking. I'm hoping that we're thinking the same thing. Senegalese. Who? Liverpool. Doof. Of course. <laughs> that that was what you. Doof. It can't be. It can't be anybody else. It can't be anybody else. <laughs> Well, he, the, you know, the, the, no, you can, the, you can you can add the Moroccan Adel Tarab as well too. You know, when he was in QPR. But, well, with with Adel Tarab, Tarab was more of an enigma where he did it in the championship, and he didn't really replicate it when he came to the Premiership. But in fairness to him, he's not the only one. A lot of players have scored blows of goals in in. Um, the, the championship and then they come to the premiership and um, just can't do it you know so, but but no Duf was Duf, Duf, Duf to me would, would be the one people could have a lot of people could have stand that guy <laughs> I know Steven Gerrard didn't like him you know um, it's quite documented he didn't he felt that um, his team yes. spirit wasn't um, and he was a very good player you know but attitude you see the thing about it is his attitude you see the attitude 
the thing about it is like you know what I, I will say when when some people say attitudes I am um, I watched and I'm sure you'd have seen it the recent documentary on Netflix on Nicholas Anelka um, yeah. misunderstood and for all the wow it was all Nick Nicholas Anelka was they, they used to call him the sulk that's what the English press used to call him very sulky uh, maligned him and oh his brothers are the one driving his career and he's always moving and everything but when you now watch that documentary and you hear his old story you see at times when you have a, a, a strong will and you know what you want it's and it, it becomes a bit difficult that, that trying to translate it to your teammates or your team and the management and becoming part of that team to be okay if the team wants it that's what we do um, and those kind of things make and you see the one thing that a lot of people forget is that a lot of these African players they have overcome a lot to end up here mm. you know like I said they probably you know they've played in you know sub, sub, you know lower lower cadres of football country to country and then you have somebody who you know born and bred in Merseyside you know, grew up seeing, you know, Anfield, their, 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 their mindset would be different because some had it cushy and some had to fight every single way to get to where they are. So when they feel like, I want to do it this way, and the cushy, not saying, and I'm not saying there's a right or no wrong, but I'm just trying to, you know, at times try and put a, have a, a, a look at the backs of it. At times, these guys were misunderstood. Now, I know that a lot of people, when they mention uh, Duke, they will say spitter, that he spat at players and everything. But you see, the funny thing is, um, at times, the, the press make it worse than it seems. Mm. Suarez had had three issues of biting players. He had it when he was in Ajax. He did it for the national side for the Uruguay national side and he did it against Chelsea they mention it but they, it, that's not who he is when they're describing it because oh you know Luis Suarez that brilliant guy used to score hat-tricks for Liverpool against Norwich like you know and everything but he had this defect where he bites people but the moment they mention Jeff is like oh he spits and that <laughs> sticks in people's minds and that helps fashion his personality. And a lot of time, the guy was like, well, if you guys don't like me, I'm not going to bend to suit your agenda. Um, for instance, you mentioned, though, it was quite critical documented about, you know, what Stephen, you know, Stephen Gerrard said about him. Now, we have to remember, Stephen Gerrard wasn't an angel himself. Mm. Stephen, Stephen Gerrard uh, could be, has been a quite colourful player. And, you know, both on and off the pitch. But, you know, that's a story for another day. Mm. Yeah, and, and while, while, while I thought it was a bit controversial, personally, which we were at least, there was a time he went on loan from Blackburn Rovers to Rangers. And I think that year, Rangers won a, won a cup, either the Scottish FA Cup or the league. I can't remember what they won, but they won, a, a, I think it was the league. So when they returned back to Blackburn Rovers, probably towards the end of well the end of the season it went obviously i think the scottish league finished 
earlier. Yeah. So he returned back to Blackburn Rovers, and it was said that when he when he had appeared in the in the locker room, the training ground, he he came with his medal worn around his neck. <laughs> <laughs> Let me show you what I've won. Now, any of you, if you got any trophies, any medals, put it on the table, and that would obviously your teammates that would um it would get them off the wrong the wrong the wrong side. But yeah. you know the funny thing, he might have done it in a light-hearted mode. You know, mm. you, the funny thing is that the dressing room is a quite interesting way because you have different characters and everything. Now he might have thought, yeah, I may do this. You know, uh, it's another way. He, he might be thinking, let me try and do this to inspire my teammates mm. to see, like, this is what you could win. Um, success will bring you there. Yes. Um, talking about Blackburn, look at Alan Scherer and Chris Sutton. Those two guys are still dining out on their lone league win in um, 1995. Yeah, 94-95. Yeah, 94-95. Those guys are still, you know, yes, we know that Cheryl used to score goals, but Chris Sutton, Chris Sutton has made a transition into um, the media as a pundit. Tim Flowers, um, Chris Sher- um, Tim, Tim Sherwood. Sherwood. Um, so you see that this is what happens when you win stuff going back to our question about winning stuff so you see that so for him he might be thinking let me use this one to ginger up my teammate that look i went on loan this is what i've won let me wear it into the dressing room but some others might think who does he think he is he now thinks oh he's won something he's bigger than bigger than than us so let's cut him down to size and that's the thing about uh, dressing rooms that uh, dressing rooms are very clicky and yeah. if you if you are fortunate not to fall in the right click, um, they can make it a real. Um, it can be a lonely place. I agree with you there. Yeah, I agree with you on that point. Um, I, I, I just finished re- reading um, the, I think the biography or the biography of um, Graham Lasso. And oh yeah. It, it because they used about... to read the, the telegraphs and they, they used to think, you know, they, they made all sorts. They, they actually called him gay just that's... because he was he was learned, just it, because he read the newspapers. It, that's exactly what I was when he, Because that gay issue came up when he joined Chelsea and yeah. on their way to games or training, while he all the that... bantering is reading Financial Times. The, the Times. You know, and, and they thought, oh, he's weird. They thought it was weird. So I agree with and. That first spell, that his first spell in Chelsea, wasn't his best. That's between 1987 and when he moved to Blackburn. Then he came back to Chelsea again. Um, he really struggled in the first spell because the cliques formed against him, and he became a lonely place. And that could have been damaging uh, yeah. for a career. So you're very right career. that, um, that they, if if um, if there's cliques against you, it could be quite challenging. Well, and you know, talking about cliques. We, we saw how how damaging that happened uh, with um, Justin Fashano. Yeah. You know, because when you read his story about what happened with him in Nottingham Forest, under Bran, Bran Clough, Bran Clough. and coming out and, and everything, and unfortunately, he ended up committing suicide. Um, the, dressing, the dressing rooms can be vicious, the clicks can be because you have to remember that you know now we're moving into the days of being you know political correct and people being very aware 
of what's going on. But back in those days, you know, remember it it used to be uh pardon pardon the word, it was a man's man's world and you had to be macho and you had to be one of the lads. You know, if you're not one of you know, remember you know, even I was telling somebody recently and we still saw it this um with what happened with um, Harry Maguire going to Greece and the issues. Remember how every year there used to be pre-seasons and players get into all sorts of trouble. Mm. Remember Lukaku and um, who was Pogba. it that he went on? Um, Paul Pogba in, in Los Angeles. Then, I don't know if you remember when um, Frank Lampard, uh, Kieran Dyer and Les Ferdinand went to Greece and got into trouble. Um, Rio Ferdinand, you mean? Rio Ferdinand, yeah. Rio F- no. You said yeah. less. Rio Ferdinand. No, sorry. Sorry, yeah. Not not long. Not not less. Rio Ferdinand, um, Frank Kieran Lampard, Dyer. And, and Kieran Dyer. So, you see, so um, at times you, you want to feel, uh, you, you know, you want to be part of the group or part of the clique. So, it's easily something that you think, mm, let me be part of these guys or else I'll be on the outside. But yeah, you have some guys who might be very strong with and thinking, I'm going to do this my way. I'm not going to be part of your your clique. And if you don't like it, tough. And, and I think and that's, that's how what things... And I think that's what characterized um, someone like Dave. Yeah. It'll be controversial. Now, let's move on a bit. Um, your top 10 African players um, and in the order which you I mean from 10 to number one who would you say are your top 10 African players um and my top 10 African players it's an interesting reason I was I would say the reason um well my reason for uh, the way I rank my top 10 players would be uh, as we've seen in our discussion how impactful they have been in winning um, how dominant have they been not just for their clubs their teams how dominant they were in their league and for me um, these guys were um, if I use the word they were beasts in the teams they played in and the teams they played in weren't just um, any you know they weren't just you know teams they, they you know these were guys who will be the manager's first pick or the manager's go to that yep you're fit you're in so, um, do you want me to start from 10 or yeah. start from 1? Let's start from number 10 downwards. So, from, for me, number 10 will be Tony Yeboah. Um, Ghana and played for Leeds. Um, Tony Yeboah came to Leeds in a time when, like you said, African players were not many in the Premier League. And um, uh, he, did, he did great things. Leeds didn't win anything, but he was able to bring Leeds to the consciousness of a lot of people outside Yorkshire. A lot of people probably would never have, if they didn't study in Leeds or live in Yorkshire, uh, back in Africa, probably would, would think Yorkshire, Yorkshire tea. And then they found <laughs> out that, you know, this wonderful team with a fantastic um, heritage had this guy and he was there, you know, Leeds, they adored him. And then the same, you know, later on, you know, we had uh, another person who would fish on my list, uh, but much, much further up. Um, 
Lucas Radame, but he wasn't. Uh, I, I, I ranked him a bit higher. Um, so number nine, I have um, a guy called Ruben, Jeremy. Jeremy in, Cameroonian. In Jitter. Yeah, in, in Jitter. Now, for me, it was a it was a tough one keeping him in ahead of Lauren, um, a fellow, another Cameroonian, part of the um, Invincibles. But for me, he's um, Jeremy swung it for me because he won the Champions League at, at Real Real Madrid, and the, you know coming to Chelsea. So he goes in there for my number nine. Um, number eight will be JJ Okocha. I know that I said he he could have delivered more, but like you said, in the few years I was in Bolton, he he made his mark. He was Africa BBC African Footballer of the Year three times, um, and you know to do that from an unfashionable club. It, it says a lot. Um, next will be Kolo Ture. Um, Kolo, you know, Kolo did wonders at uh, Arsenal, part of the Invincibles, then moved over, went to um, he went to Liverpool, and then you know, I think he, you know, no, so he went to Manchester first, Manchester, then he went to Liverpool. Yeah. So. Um, I always say it, it's not often that you have somebody play for those kind of, you know, clubs of those stature. Um, yes, he, you know, and when he was in, when he was in uh, the Arsenal side, he was, he was one of those, you know, reliable dependables. Yes, why you let the rubber rooms go up with their flares and, the, you know, you know that you had a dependable guy at the back who would, who would do the business. Remember his famous um, story? Yeah, which one of them? They, <laughs> hey, he has a few. He has he, a few. That is uh, you know. that is that is slid into um, Asavenga, Thierry Henry, and Beckham in his trial yeah. game. In, in his trial game, yeah, yeah. You know, but you know, he's you can see that um, every game, Colo gives you a hundred percent, hundred percent. Doesn't leave anything on the page. Um, my next one is another Leeds player, Lucas Radebe, South African. And the reason why he re- he ranks so high for me was um, he did he was one of those defenders who was like a, a Beckelbar figure, cool, calm, you know, assured on the pitch. And then off the pitch, I still think the likes of him had a lot in having the walk-up go to South Africa when he was held there to see, you know. So for me, that made him um, up there in my in my in my list. Um, then you now get the likes of um, Michael Essien, Chelsea. We've mentioned him before. What he did, um, played in a in a that Chelsea's team of Mourinho, Mourinho, the special one, the first time he came around. Um, you know, Michael Essien was he was a box to when you want to describe a box to box midfielder, Michael Essien was an epitome of that he's got an engine, he reads the game well, defends well shoots scores, he had he, he practically ticked all the boxes, so he comes in there, next one would be in four would be Yayature when you have the Man City fans give you a song and your players, um, I still see him. I know, you know, there was this um, 
debate about or oh, why not a statue for him when there's a statue for David Silver and um, Tristan Company. I think he did, he, you know, you could never mention how the transition that Man City made as a team to the force they are today without mentioning Yaya Toure. He, he was immense for that team, you know, linking up play, you know, scoring free kicks, you know, those long busting runs. He just had everything. He had everything. Um, and to think, you know, also he played in a in a in a Barcelona, side. Barcelona side side that had, you know, um talent. So um I would say, you know, that way. Then the next three, my top three would be um third comes um, King Kano. And you know, I know that yes, Arsenal, my Arsenal realities, but when Kano, you know, there's some. I remember one game, Arsenal taught them, and it was a goal that Kano scored. He had, I don't know if you remember, Mauricio, uh, they had a defender, an Argentine defender, Ta- Tariko. Mariko Tariko, that's um, Tottenham. Yeah, Tottenham. Kano got the ball. Tariko Kano, you could see that he knew what he was going to do. Lifted the ball over the guy's head before putting it past um, Walker in post. And, you know, Kanu had some moves that even, you know, you see the Arsenal fans like you back in the days. When, the, you know, you know when you sit in the crowd and you say, <gasps> everybody's like, no, he just didn't do that. But he just <laughs> did. You know, um, he was just, he was just phenomenal. Um, then, my top two it, it, my top two have to be um, it's uh, Drogba uh, and Mikel and I can't make up my mind I keep on changing those two I keep on changing those two and I look at Mikel as when you see the number of managers that Chelsea had and they all used to go to, he was a go-to guy you know managers come managers go managers come managers go he was a stable because he was this calm head he, you know he was always there you tell him to do a job he would do it I think he could have done well he could have expressed himself more you know from the youngster that we knew to the established elder statesman that he became but Whatever the manager was in Chelsea, you know, players would go out of the door. It was a revolving thing, but he was always there. And then Didier Drogba, you know, when he came from Marseille, people used to say he used to dive, he used to complain too much. But when Didier Drogba took a game, you know that you were in a game. And he, towards, you know, culminating in that their Champions League win, you, the impact it had, it, you know, even John Terry and Frank Lampard, who were the other two dons on the pitch, mm. they would they would they would go onto the pitch when they had Drogba with them. They would play differently to when they didn't have Drogba. And for me, that that says a lot, because they knew that oh, you know, JT used to call it when we have the big man, we know that now. Nah, it's you know he'll bully defenders pull them all over the place you know make runs allow 
that's why you have people like you know you had midfielders in in Chelsea that will score goals for fun because you know Drogba would drag the center halves all over the place creating you know creating pockets of holes that allowed um, um, uh, midfielders you know take pot shots and and score goals he you know remember even going back to the defensive unit of Chelsea look at how many times Chelsea will have will be defending a corner kick who was in the you know the front post Drogba and he used that as height yeah so for me it's my top two it will be either it's those two I, I, I keep on changing my mind um, but I think I would go for for I would go for SN I'm sorry not SN what am I saying Drogba. I'll go for Bikelobi I'll top. go for Drogba Drogba will be the one yeah. as a top one even the Mikel one and then um, Mikel Mikel, over Mikel. Even with Mikel, um, quite a number of people will think that's controversial because um, people are looking at, in quote, the visible impact he had on Chelsea. Um, he was more of a defensive midfielder for a very long time. He was um, tagged um, the sideways pass kind of person. But um, he, he tended to do his job well. Even um, I, I listened to an interview recently of um, Eddie Newton, former Chelsea player. And he said a lot of people talk yeah. about the Champions League final. He said for him, Mikel was the man of the match. He was breaking. Yes. Now, you know, you see, this is what I, at times, I know some people call it, say, oh, T-Max, stop talking this way. There's something I believe that there are people that I call football purists. Now, football purists to me are people who know football, who understand football. Now, remember when France won the World Cup in 1998? Yeah. And they called Didier Deschamps the water carrier. Yeah. And then remember when the Galacticos, when they allowed... Um, Makalele. <laughs> they, uh, he wanted Makalele. When he wanted more money and they said, oh, what do you do? Yeah. Now, what do you do? You don't do, you don't do much. You, know, you break up the play, pass the ball and everything, and they let him go. They suffered for it. You know, Madrid didn't win a lot on that pass. And then you now see somebody like N'Golo Kante. These kind of players, the Kantes, the Makeleles, the Michelovis, the Didier Deschamps. Now, the sign of the, the best players, and I'm beginning to see the likes of Ndidi have something like that. You don't see them in the game. But people who know the game know that this guy has been here, breaking up play, disrupting it, seeing a pass, you know, turning a defense into attack. Those are a lot of people are looking for the shiny, uh, the shiny bits of football. No, there are some people that you know they do the work. Then you know they're not for they, you know, like you said, when you watch that um, Chelsea Bayern Munich game. Eddie Newton is right. I remember Eddie Newton was Di Matteo's assistant manager. Yeah. So he knew, so he was watching it from pitch level. And remember, he was a former footballer. And when you watch the reels of that game, oh, Mikel, he was, he was the man of the match of that game, without a shadow of a doubt. He was brilliant, absolutely brilliant. I know, yes, uh, people will say, oh, they had a young uh, fullback who was that was his first game um, Ryan Bertrand what's this guy's name 
Bertrand, that, you know. But you see, Mikel Obi was in the midfield, breaking up stuff, making passes and everything. So for me, that's why. And apart from that imp- impact that he had, I always say, look at his 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 medal haul, and he won everything, everything, you know, Nations Cup, level. Champions League. I, if club level did it, then you know, I, in I for Nigeria won the Nations Cup. So for me. He's up there. I, 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 I mean, if you, if you, if you make when you make such compelling argument, it's not difficult for you to agree with such um, conclusion. So, before we start rounding up, because um, I, I, I know we can go on forever. <laughs> you know, if we continue. Oh, definitely, definitely. <laughs> you know, um, who would you? Describe as your worst player. I'll be shocked if we're not thinking along along the same line. The worst African in the Premier League. I'll tell you what, you'll end up agreeing with me when I tell you mine, if we're not thinking along the line, the same line. Ah. No. Well, for me, no. But you can tell you can tell me yours then. No, no. Um, there've been some shockers that have come come down here and um, haven't really delivered. Um, but the thing about it is, like, I don't really because a lot of players don't acclimatize, and it's not just African footballers. So um, for me, it's it's a bit of a. I don't really want to say I have a worse one. But let me tell you because, this one. Maybe you agree with me then. Go on, Ali Daya. Because I watched that game and to be honest, if you really watch that game slowly, it didn't look like a pro. I, it I, didn't, I, I it know, didn't look like a pro. I know I know the English media overflogged it and everything, but if you look at that few minutes it came on, it didn't look like it was bad. It was bad. It was bad. But the thing, the thing about it is, like, for me, I would say, uh, yes, like I said, when you look at it, it's bad. There's no two of putting of of coloring it. But do I would like to hear from him because, like I said, he didn't look like a person of a brother. <laughs> he didn't. But was there something in the background that happened? Was there something else? Now, uh, I'm not saying, not trying to make excuses for Idaya, but there's been enough games. It's so funny. Yeah, last night I was watching Invictus, um, the movie about the South African rugby side. And um, I remember back in 95 or later on, there were stories coming out that the All Blacks, um, the hotel they slept in, um, John Aluma and a few of their key players ended up having food poisoning um, remember the the Tottenham, Tottenham West Ham game West Ham that they were based in a hotel in Canary Wharf and half of the team um, ended up with food poisoning or you know something similar and they were pipped to fourth by Arsenal um, and we've talked about you know dressing room cultures and stuff like that um, and if your confidence is shattered you know, I'll give another example of um, 
when it you know somebody has turned up on the pitch and not looked like a pro i remember the game where a boy came on as a substitute and he was substituted because he was that poor now a boy had played a champ it, it, you know a boy had played some fantastic games for arsenal and then all of a sudden his game went and it was later on we now found out that there were issues marital issues and stuff outside football that affected him so badly so there are a lot of times we don't hear those things um another case was um i know i'm using a lot of arsenal cases um remember song that played for arsenal there was a time that it was snowing and he was on his way to training and he just dumped his car on the you know a46 and walked and there's you know so they, they've been you know people might have really 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 poor games and 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 one thing i always say the english press can be can be very brutal when they're your case it is very difficult to turn it around so for me people have bad games or bad sequences um take for example um yakubu you mentioned yakubu people say oh how he was overweight the misses that he had but there are some goals he scored for Portsmouth that you're thinking, whoa, where did that come from? So uh, to me, I, 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 you know, maybe because I'm one of these optimists, I always try and look for um, a bright light for everybody rather than say, because for you to make it to that top level, you, you, there has to be something in you that people saw in the first place. <laughs> Yeah, talking about um, Yakubu. Yakubu was 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 the only person missing on that list for me because um, although he probably didn't win anything major, but he played for predominantly um, middle table teams. What? But he almost um, got to the hundred goal mark of mark in the Premiership, yeah, in the Premier League. So yeah, I think I, I think my bias my bias against uh, him is the miss uh, for Nigeria. I can't I can't I can't get over that. I'm sorry. <laughs> I know, I don't know. Forget, I'm sorry. You're not forgiven. I've not forgotten that. <laughs> I, anytime I look, watch back that goal. You have to look at. Um, I think he was Ahmed Musa who was behind him and had his hands in his head. <laughs> It was just like, oh no, 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 no. That that for me, that, that's a, a, a black I, mark against I, I, against Yak. And I think in that game, that um, could have played a psychological uh, effect in the team because um, if he had scored that goal, perhaps because he, he went on to score a penalty against South Korea, he would have qualified in that competition. So yeah. Yeah, or oh, sad for, for, for Yakubu. He couldn't yeah. get into your team. <laughs> no, he couldn't get into my team. Maybe, you know, and, you know, not saying he wasn't a good footballer. He was he was, he was, was a good footballer, you know, without a shadow of a doubt. Like I said, for, for you know, he used to, he, he, there was a, a sort of cheekiness that he used to, to play football, uh, especially when he takes his penalties and stuff like that. Um, and like I said, there's so many people that could have, because I went through this my list and I was playing around with it up and down. Um, you know, there's some people that you think, oh wow, that's you know, um, they did well, but it's it's these these guys that I've picked, I don't think I would um I would swap them for anybody else. All right, well, we've come to the end of the program and thanks very much, um, T Mac for obliging. Thanks us. for having me. And um, thank you. 
we'll, we'll, um, we'll probably do some more talking in the near future. No, and no problems. And I just want to say, well, yeah, thank you for this opportunity and uh, kudos to what you're doing. Fantastic yeah. work and um, to greater heights. There you have it. Um, the top Africans or the impact of Africans in the English Premier League. Um, until we come your way again, be good and keep safe.